0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Tata Institution's All Things Policy. I am your host for today, Carl Jason. And I hope you've been having a wonderful week because today we're going to talk about a very interesting report that was published recently by the Cohen Advisory Group, which is a New Delhi-based public policy consultancy that specializes in policy and regulatory analysis in both traditional and emergent sectors and markets. So I've got with me Tamanna Sharma. Tamanna, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks. Thanks, pal. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you here. So uh, we're going to speak to Tamanna on uh, one of the reports that was published, uh, that was published she and her colleagues on the effectiveness of tobacco disclaimers on OTT content services. So we'll just go over the findings of uh, this particular study that they have done. I was also acknowledged that this was in collaboration with their survey partner, Yutki Awaas. So yeah, interested to sort of delve into the major findings from the study. But Tamanna, if we can maybe just take a step back, and if you yeah. can maybe share with our listeners on uh, what exactly was the thinking behind broaching uh, this particular issue, right? Because uh, there was, you know, a, a sort of statement from the Ministry of Health and Family Affairs, which sort of triggered uh, this particular issue to come back into the spotlight. So could you just yeah. give us a background of what the issue is at hand and uh, yeah, the motivations behind uh, sort of conducting this survey?
1: Sure. So, you know, Carl. I mean, even before the ministry issued this statement, this has been going on for a couple of years now. So really, ever since OTT, you know, has gained popularity and it's become one additional option of content consumption. So, for example, a lot of reports came out, especially in the past two years, which were calling the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare to sort of extend the ambit of COTPA to include online content curated platforms, OCCPs which I'll, for the sake of, you know, everyone's ease, I'll refer to OTD platforms here. And again, as I mentioned, there have been several reports. And so we had been following this issue for quite some time. We reviewed those reports and we tried to see what these different people are saying and what is the issue at hand. And I'll take you a little, maybe I'll talk a little bit about tobacco depiction regulation in general, just to give an idea of how this whole thing has started. So, Yep. I mean, it's it's a, it has a long history. It started in 2005, where the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare said that tobacco depiction in um, films and television programs, any sort of depiction of tobacco products was banned. Um, and this was done all the way back in 2005. Now, a couple of interesting things here. First, um, this notification in 2005 came without consulting the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting. And second, this was done without consulting the industry. So, a lot of um, pushback was received on this ban. So, f- let me just give you one example. For example, Mahesh Park was somebody who really was concerned about how the implementation of this ban would go about and how it would impact, you know, international content, movies coming from outside the country. And so, this is really how the whole regulation of tobacco depiction started. That ban was lifted in 2011, where there were some subsequent changes in 2012. These are called the Film zones, And that point is what essentially started the whole 30-second health scroll that we see now in movies. Whenever you go to a theater, you see that 30-second Mukesh video. That's essentially yeah. the regulation that was brought in in 2011 and 12. So that's the background. And from there, we have now come to, okay, let's include... OCCPs in this regulation because there's tobacco depiction on OCCPs. So what we really recognized was two things. First, there is and there has been no direct investigation of the impact of tobacco consumption and its depiction on OTT platforms. Because as I said, OTT is something that's gained popularity very recently in the past uh, couple of years. So No one really till date Had studied this relationship directly And the second And the most important thing Is that A lot of these regulations And a lot of these calls For regulating OCCPs Lacked consumer feedback And ultimately When you're Trying to bring in regulation For the benefit of the consumer And you don't take Their challenges And perspectives into account Then There's definitely going to be An issue in implementation Right Especially these kind of regulations, like regulation of digital media in general, um, a lot of the times it is targeted towards the younger populations, right? Yep. Because as a lot of people have said, you know, catch them young. So if you're bringing in regulation, but you are not talking to the relevant people, so the consumers who will directly get affected by this regulation, then there's obviously going to be an issue. So, I mean, that's really where we came in. We wanted to bring in the consumer perspective, which is why we conducted the survey and we felt that it was needed and there was definitely a gap in the existing literature.
0: Got it. So well, that's great, Tamanna to sort of set the context for the conversation. In fact, I have had a look at the report as well and it was interesting to see that you had about 1,900 survey participants, right? So, yeah. uh, which gives you... Can you just give us a sense of the sample and the demographics of of these OTT viewers?
1: Yeah. So, we reached so the survey was firstly conducted online. So, we reached out to people through electronic medium and we covered about 2800 people and our sample was reduced to about 1900 because we specifically focused on people who watch OTT content. So firstly, we filtered people who do not watch OTT content. So like out of the 2800, about 33% said that no, we have not seen OTT content in the past three months. So they were filtered out. So that's how we got to the 1896 sample size. And out of these, about majority of them were men in the age group of 18 to 35, let's say roughly. So, about eighty six percent were men in the survey, and um about ten percent women, and the rest was unspecified or non-binary. and out of the respondents, about twenty five percent were smokers, and the rest were non-smokers or they did not want to specify.
0: Got it. so I think, and since we you know we are um, expecting to know the sort of repercussions of this particular move, uh, both from on the Ott side and also consumer perspective and Uh, Your survey, in fact, serves to capture the uh, sentiments of, you know, both these uh, sort of stakeholders. Uh, Can you just give me a sense of what was the government's policy objective from doing this, right, in the first place? Like, is it health reasons primarily, uh, or is there some, uh, you know, larger policy objective that they would like to achieve? So, if you could maybe start off by sharing the government's view on this, uh, and then uh, followed by uh, maybe the study findings uh, that you and your team came up.
1: Sure. I mean, I don't know if I'd be the best person to comment on what the government's view was. From our understanding, it came from the point of view of, you know, um, increased tobacco consumption and the worry that, you know, more and more people are consuming tobacco. So how should we go about um, taking effective measures? And that is that's a pretty good. I mean, that is something that the government definitely should be concerned about as well. as So. I mean, again, I really can't comment on what their perspective was. It seems like the issue is curbing tobacco consumption. Right. But I'd just like to point out that this issue government has already addressed through the IT rules 2021. If you look at the IT rules, they specifically say that scenes on OTT content that depict tobacco or smoking scenes, they automatically receive a higher age classification. So you have these different age ratings, UA7, UA13 plus. Uh-huh. So the IT rules already mandate that you have to give a higher age rating to these type of content. So it's slightly confusing because um the regulation is already there. So the idea was to see why the additional regulation, why the additional disclaimers essentially, right? And so that's really where our study and survey sort of comes in. And our focus as well was trying to assess the need for these additional disclaimers, not really questioning the existence of tobacco back oh, got it.
0: Because
1: obviously that's an important issue to address. Yeah. So let me just go on to some of the findings now. If so, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, so firstly, we wanted to assess are people aware of the existing magnets that are there under the IT room? So we questioned our respondents of their awareness of existing age ratings and content descriptors. And we found that majority of them, so two out of every three respondents in our survey, that yes, we are aware of the existing age ratings and the content descriptors that are displayed on OTT content. So that's a very positive sign that there's a high amount of awareness in OTT viewers in India, right? Second, we wanted to assess how watching certain content on OTT would impact their smoking behavior. So, again, what we found was that two out of every three respondents said that depiction of smoking on OTT is not going to affect their smoking behavior, right? And it's not very surprising. Again, as I said, there has been no direct study of this relationship. And even if we look at existing studies that, for example, try and assess the impact of theater on alcohol consumption or films on alcohol consumption, even those studies have largely remained inconclusive. So there is no evidence to say that, oh, watching certain kind of content is going to affect your smoking behavior. So that's number two. And third, we try to assess what are certain factors that would maybe prompt a person to, you know, start smoking. So we asked the respondents and um, we gave them a couple of options that these are the following factors. And do you think, how do you feel these would affect you to start smoking? Now, what we found that depiction of smoking on TV and OTT does not have any impact on a person's smoking initiation habit. Right? Uh, what we found was and that it's actually factors like influence of peers, friends, as well as mental stress that encourage a person to uptake smoking. And on the other hand, family, neighborhood and ads at point of sale sort of act as deterrents. So they discourage a person from um, the uptake of smoking. And I think these results largely make sense. I mean, even if you think in layman terms, like friends, family and given that, you know, especially because of COVID, because there was a lot of isolation and a lot of people had to forcefully be isolated. That definitely added a lot of stress to people's lives. And it may have, you know, um, led to some behavioral changes. And we have mentioned in our report that there are studies that show that um, forced isolation sort of can lead to a person's behavioral change in a negative way. It can actually lead to them, um, you know, like starting smoking. And- so, um. These are the three key points in terms of OTT's depiction of tobacco smoking and a person's behavior um, related to smoking. And lastly, what we tried to say was, do people feel the need for these additional warnings? So one thing is we asked, how would these additional warnings impact your viewing experience? So, and this is a very important point to note here. When you compare television and theater with OTT. Most people now watch OTT content on their smartphones. Even in our survey, about um 75 to 80% said that, yes, we watch OTT content on our smartphones. Smartphones are what? They are five to seven inches in size. Yeah, so, five, six,
0: seven inches. Yeah.
1: Exactly, right. Now, comparing this to a large, like a large smart TV or an even bigger theater screen, you have to recognize that there's a difference in the way people are consuming these medias, right? So, 53% respondents in our survey said that yes, if you introduce additional warnings, it will negatively impact our viewing experience because obviously… you're watching on a small screen if there are subtitles then on top of that you're introducing warnings it's definitely going to take a majority of the screen and the person is for sure going going to get distracted by it right the second thing is very simply just um 52% respondents said that yeah we question the need for these additional disclaimers because there are existing age ratings and content descriptors already yeah. in place on ott content so we don't really feel the need for these additional disclaimers So, um, yeah, broadly speaking, these are sort of the key findings that emerged from our survey. And yeah, I think they're largely aligned with what you would expect any, you know, young population to respond. So, hmm.
0: yeah. It was very, uh, very interesting. In fact, what we'll do is we we'll link the report, uh, you know, on our show notes for this episode. So, you all can take a look and uh, I strongly recommend uh, it's fairly comprehensive uh, and I really like the the questions that uh, your team has put together uh, which seems to capture a wide array of potential concerns You know that from a consumer standpoint is important to look at. So uh, what we'll do, Tamana, we'll take a quick um, sort of break and we'll come back and uh, maybe you can share a few potential policy recommendations from the study that you can glean from. So yeah, we'll be back listeners. Stay tuned. Hello, and we are back discussing the report on the effectiveness of tobacco disclaimers on OTT content viewing. So we've got Tamanya here who in uh, just before the break, you know, gave us a sense of the findings from the study, especially keeping in mind the consumer perspective on this very pertinent issue. Uh, So Tamanya, now just coming to what could be some of the responses for the industry, right, which are led by these OTT platforms. So what are some of their recommendations on this? And also from the point of view of uh, the study that you conducted, are there any other recommendations that you think the government could take on board?
1: So, Carl, in our study and while we were conducting this research, we really tried to think from our our perspective what could be some alternate strategies. And there are two key things that we feel would be feasible for OCCPs to consider. So, first is that strengthening the enforcement of the existing IT rules. Now, You know, it's important to recognize that standards are only as effective as their enforcement. And successful standards require them to be implemented across the industry. Now, what I mean by this is there are currently some 50 OTT services registered on MIV's website. But not all of them are associated with existing SRBs. SRBs are self-regulatory bodies. These are bodies and. which OTT platforms can join and they essentially are bodies who respond to you know, regulatory measures and it's a way for them to self-regulate, essentially. So what we found that not all OTT platforms are actually part of the existing SRBs. We currently only have two SRBs. One is with the IMAI. It's called the Digital Publishers Content Grievances Council. And the second is with the IBDFs, it's called the Digital Media Content Regulatory Council. So, it's important to ensure that, you know, all OTT content services operating in the country are affiliated with either of these two existing SRBs to ensure that, you know, there's a uniform user experience across different OCCPs, Because as I mentioned, the IT rules already have existing age ratings and content descriptors. And the OTT platforms who are part of these SRBs will have to make sure that they are, you know, abiding by these guidelines. So it's important that all OTTs make sure that they're part of these SRBs. That's really number one. And the number two thing is the key issue being discussed here is the age appropriateness of content, right? So if you want to make sure that there's age appropriateness and younger audiences are not exposed to content that is not age appropriate for them, then you need to ensure a high standard of age gating and age verification. And this really is, you know, moving beyond the minimal level of compliance. I mean, you could implement an age verification method that's a self-ticking box, but is it really effective? That's a question mark, I would say. So, in our report, we have tried to look at a cross-section of different countries who are using these methods to maintain age-appropriateness of online content. So, for example, UK's Ofcom is one entity that said that self-taking mechanisms are not very effective. And what they have instead tried to say is that use automatic tools that can verify whether the person sitting on that system is 18 years or older. Or you use some sort of access systems that have some technical tools that can be used for age verification. And this is feasible for OCCPs to do because this is technology-driven platforms, right? Unlike television and theater where you can't really use technology to verify a person's age, Um, OCCPs can go this route and they definitely should. Obviously, I have to bring in a caveat that such measures have to make sure that an individual's privacy and personal data and security are not compromised. And there are definitely ways to address that issue as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really comes down to these two basic things we feel that, you know, you have to standardize, um, you know, implementation of existing mandates across the industry and you have to ensure high standards of age verification.
0: No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this report does go a long way in capturing the consumer uh, sort of feedback and inputs, which uh, hopefully would be taken cognizance by the ministry. Uh, Tamara, thank you so much. Uh, This was such a wonderful uh, chat to have with you. And um, yeah, I strongly encourage our listeners to of have uh, a read through the report which we link to the show notes as I mentioned earlier so thanks for joining us Samana and hope to have you and uh, maybe your colleagues as well in, in our show going forward
1: absolutely yes thank you so much for having me yeah.
0: if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network you can tune into them on the IVM podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website takshashila.org.in.